MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the Executive Vice President of Membership and Industry Leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now. Today's topic is protecting people in your facility. This podcast will review the need for protective guarding and material handling facilities, providing injury and cost statistics, as well as noting industry regulations. It will touch upon the common hazards in a typical material handling facility and the types of protective guarding equipment that solve the safety issues and ensure that people and products within the facilities stay safe. Today, I'm joined by Aaron Conway, president of Mezzanine Safety Gates Incorporated, and Arlen Keck, professional engineer with Steel King Industries Incorporated. Both are members of the Protective Guarding Manufacturers Association, also known as ProGMA. Gentlemen, welcome. And Aaron, would you introduce yourself and just kind of give a little background on your history in the industry? Yep. Thanks, Christian. Yep. I'm Aaron Conway, president of Mezzanine Safety Gates. We specialize in safety gates for fall protection. And I've been in the industry about 30 years now, uh, seen a lot change over the years, but it's an exciting time to be part of this industry with everything going on and the changes that are happening in terms of the processing and uh, the facilities and also with the uh, evolution of safety uh, solutions for these type of uh, facilities. Excellent. Arlen. Okay. Give a little My name is Arlen Keck. I'm the uh, corporate R&D engineer with Steel King Industries. I've been in the industry as an engineer for 40 some years. Uh, basically, my main focus was industrial storage racks, but I've also worked with uh, industrial containers, industrial shelving, and work platforms. So, in my career, I've gotten involved with the MHI through RMI, SMA, ProGMA of writing standards, working for the betterment of the product and for the safety of the workers. Perfect. Well, welcome to both of you. Uh, Aaron, would you give a little background as a former uh, chair of the ProGMA? Can you get a little background on what the ProGMA is all about? Sure. Yeah, the ProGMA, which is the Professional Guarding Manufacturers uh, Association is an industry group of the MHI. Uh, it was formed in 2011, I believe, uh, where it was decided that there was uh, a little gap in the MHI, that there wasn't um, enough uh, focus on safety products and safety solutions. And there were a number of companies that were part of the MHI uh, that uh, were looking for a, uh, a voice, a way to um, you know, uh, talk about the hazards that are in these industrial environments and the type of solutions that are out there to secure them. We're about 20 members now. We continue to grow. Uh, we have a fabulous microsite on the MHI, uh, which you can find by going to mhi.org uh, backslash ProGMA. Uh, there's a lot of information on that site. We have a technology tool, uh, which basically allows you to look for the type of hazard you might have or the type of facility you have, and it can match you up with the potential hazards that are out there, with the solutions that are out there, with the companies that make those solutions and how to get in touch with those people. 
and we're constantly adding uh, content and information on that site, case studies. Uh, we did a whole series of animated videos uh, that highlight um, all the different type of hazards that are in these facilities uh, with uh, you know great animation that really gave an overview of the type of scenarios that are out there and the various ways to, to uh, secure those type of areas. Uh, so it's an exciting group to be a part of. We're continuing to grow. Um, we're doing a lot of in, in, uh, interesting things. We've also come out with a couple industry standards uh, that are out there. We have a standard uh, for guard railing. Um, we have a standard out there for containment panels. That's to keep products from getting pushed off the back of pallet racks. Uh, and we're working on uh, additional standards as we speak. Excellent. Well, that was a great overview. And, and obviously, as the chair of the, uh, of the group and both of uh, both organizations being founding members of the group. Uh, it was uh, you, you guys have done a great job keeping this group moving forward, and the collaboration that that uh, the group has done has has led to a lot of great outcomes. So let's get started in the in the topic. So first, what are some of the common safety hazards in a material handling facility for both products and employees? Aaron, you want to start with that one? Well, sure. Uh, it's hard to narrow it down because in reality, there are so many hazards. Um, it, that's the reality of it. You know, I focus on securing elevated work platforms. Uh, so that's where a lot of my attention gets spent. And I hear a lot of uh, incidents evolving that uh, type of scenario. Anytime you have people working from elevated heights, uh, you have to be especially cautious and so we specialize in, uh, you know, keeping people safe at those elevated heights uh, while they're working. Uh, but in reality, there's hazards, you know, from the ground up. There's hazards from outside in. Um, we're in the Pro GMA. We're made up of companies that are always looking to protect people, products, and facilities. You know, the structures. Uh, and so the hazards. Um, are numerous and they're constantly evolving, uh, which is interesting because of the, the changes that are happening in the industries, uh, companies changing their processes, um, working on speed and efficiency, and there might be a new type of hazard that didn't exist in a, in a prior uh, design um, of material handling that exists now. Uh, so one of the main things, I mean, that I always recommend is to work with a professional. Someone in the Pro GMA is a great place to go um, that can help you point out the hazards that are there and to help you show the solutions. It's also important if you're a facility manager or if you work in this company to talk to your employees, talk to the people that are there uh, that can help. Uh, usually they can spot uh, potential uh, scenarios, um, uh, potential safety issues. Uh, while they're working, whether they're unguarded openings, slips, falls, or uh, or what have you. Um, but the main um, hazards that we see are, you know, these days with, a, you know, fork trucks, equipment moving around on the ground level, people are working around there. There's concerns with products, the way they're stored, that they're going to, uh, if they get dislodged and come out of these elevated storage areas, that they can come down and, and injure someone down below. And of course, the fall hazards of, of people up above. Um, there's also uh, integration these days with automation and robotics. And so now you have um, autonomous things moving around that you're trying to keep um, separated from the people. 
Um, so the hazards, unfortunately, are numerous. Um, the good news is the solutions out there that are out there to guard those things are numerous and evolving. Um, that you just have to, uh, to consult different ways to, to make sure you're, you're looking at all the potential hazards in your facility and, and the ways to secure them. Yeah, Arlen, would you like to add to that? Well, yeah, uh, from an engineering point of view, uh, I've worked a lot with industrial steel storage racks and work platforms and industrial shelving. And uh, I agree with what Aaron was saying, uh, but a lot of my focus, to be quite frank, is what Aaron touched on, and that's the structural integrity of the system, especially from fork impact. So I'm not saying it's the only thing we get involved with from an engineering point of view, but structural impact and damage to pro- I mean, to the, the, the structure can cause the structure to fail. We've all seen that in pictures and newsreels. So um, as an engineer, we also get very involved in those kind of accessories or something you may want to add to a bid or something like that to make your system uh, more resistance to accidents, if that should happen. But we also get involved with, you know, we try to visualize people walking or working in the environment they're working in. So obviously, we want to make stuff like Aaron was talking about protective railing. We don't want products to fall out. We don't want holes and flooring systems elevated for a person's foot can fall step into and twist an ankle or even worse. Uh, and there's there's also having been to job sites before, I've been there to see or to investigate when they've had a problem out in the field due to a structural damage. So I've seen that. But I've also been on structures that have been 40 feet high. And another thing to keep in is the keep in mind is the uh, perception that the workers could have you know it's, it's one thing to climb a stair from the ground level up to 10 feet or something like that it's another thing to climb a stair on the outside of a building that's going from 30 feet to 40 feet i mean your perception of of how you look at it and some of these things are codified in the standards uh but sometimes you you're allowed as a buyer or user of this product to ask yourself would, would i be comfortable with this and to modify the codes to make them safer based on perception of what you think the workers would experience. Yeah, one so, thing just to add on that, Arlen, or I'd be interested in your observation about is when you started in the industry 40 years ago, I'm sure these rack systems were a lot shorter than they are now. Oh, yeah. Not unusual now for, to have, what, floor plus three levels and a pick module where that was unheard of years ago, right? Right. Well, the, the other thing that came to play, too, is uh, you, you can kind of look at fall protection as either falling off or the other side is reaching in. And, and when you start getting a lot of this automated equipment, the reaching in portion just becomes as, as important as the falling, falling off. In other words, you can't have hands and stuff. For falling off protection may allow an arm to reach in or something like that. When you start getting automated equipment, you can't have you can't have hands reaching in either. It's just like uh, tools and stuff like that, or with the ASRS with cranes and stuff running up and down. You don't want you don't want people near this equipment, and then you get shut off devices and more more and more stuff like that. Electronic safety devices, right? Yeah, you touched on some of it earlier, Aaron, on, on just how 
the industry, if you you can see it by going to the ProMat or Modex trade shows and seeing the difference in automation that's uh, offered and in, in facilities, you can see it through the uh, automation and the speed of delivery uh, that 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 you know the customer expectation. But the uh, the the facilities have gone from being very manual maybe 20 years ago to very automated now. And it's not just fork trucks and, and racks anymore. There's a lot of automated equipment in there that you guys are uh, kind of referring to. And I think that the, that goes to that ever-changing, ever, uh, you know, increasing need for protective equipment, right? Yeah. One of the things I was going to say with respect to the automated equipment is the fact that a lot of these cranes and stuff will do loads where they pick one or two items. But when this stuff is taken out of storage, it has to be brought together and palletized. So there's a lot of equipment that goes on the outside of these ASRS systems where things are palletized and unitized and counted and conveyors and all kinds of things that, that move the product that really create hazards and, and that kind of stuff. So, Aaron, what's the cost of an average accident in a material handling facility? Uh, I know that's probably a hard number to quantify, but, you know, and, and are there industry regulations that must be followed? Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, you know, the OSHA guidelines, uh, there's IBC, um, and, um, you know, in my um what I specialize in for an open pallet drop area that's considered a willful violation by OSHA. And that's a $15,000 and up fine every time they see an opening for every opening that there is. And, you know, that's without even an incident taking place. So there's significant serious fines for being in violation of OSHA code. Um, But there's also, if something happens, you know, how do you, uh, you know, quantify that it's uh it's bad publicity uh the plant can be shut down while it's investigating um you also don't want to be that type of company that has that reputation for people getting hurt i mean we're all trying to make a living nobody's coming to work to get hurt or expect to get hurt uh um you know making a living so you know you want to be this type of company that's going to have a safe environment in there and you want and and you you don't want the publicity uh, out there of uh, of um, having incidents, numerous incidents. And of course, you care about your employees. They're part of your team. You don't want to lose these people. So, you know, there's the the numbers you can um, quantify and count in terms of the fines. And then there's the, uh, you know, the thing that qualify. That's that's the name, the, the you know, your business, your brand um, and, and the culture you're trying uh, to create. Um, so it's um, there's a great investment for a return on investment for safety. Um, you know, we always have on our uh, information on the pro GMA that every dollar invested is a return of between four and six dollars. And um, it's uh, I'd even say it goes beyond that. It's just it, it's a great way to invest in the company and the employees. And the key is to do it proactively you know, to secure these type of areas before you have the type of incident. Uh, that's when you're getting the the best return on your investment and creating the, the safest environment possible. And obviously the way to do that is you have to know what the hazards are before they become a hazard. And uh, that's where it's important to consult professionals in the industry that work in these areas, work around this type of areas uh, all the time. 
Arlen, do you have anything to? Well, not a whole lot. Aaron covered a, a lot of it, which I agree with him. Uh, one of the things I would say is, and agreeing with Aaron, usually your protective advice, uh, devices are only a small portion of the total cost of the project. The other thing to keep in mind is it, buying cheap right off the bat and then coming back later and say, you know what, I should add these. It's, it's not very financially very sound. It's tough to retrofit something that's already in place. So it's better off to plan ahead and consider what safety features you want to add. Consider the flow of material and, and try to do it up front while, you know, the shipping costs are all united. And the installer is there and stuff like that instead of waiting, coming back. The, the other comment I would say, and it kind of not on devices itself, but Think about the color of the project you're putting in there, too, because color can make a lot of difference of how people perceive your structure and how they see around things. So my experience is some people say, I just make it all one color. And now they can't under they can't see the difference hardly between something that's vertical and something that's horizontal because all the colors blend. And this really comes into play when you're doing the real high ASRS structure. So there's a lot of little safety things you can do along with the devices that the ProGME offers, it helps. Yeah, I think Arlen makes a great point with um, factoring the solutions into the design. That really is a, a key um, because constantly we're going in after the fact and we're always, there's a sprinkler line that's there. And if that wasn't there, it was moved up, things would fit a lot better and the processes and the, the really the key is to is to design the safety into the system up front and sometimes it's a little challenging i think because a lot of these systems are new in terms of everything they're bringing together and, and they may not have done something exactly like this before and you know the safety kind of it gets pushed out of the mind a little bit they're focusing on making sure everything's going to work seamlessly and uh expeditiously and and the safety is um uh, unfortunately thought of after the fact but if we could get people's head around that to to make the get the safety as part of the whole engineering design uh things would work a lot better and be a lot safer and be less expensive yeah i think about you know as you put in new equipment in a new facility or a new uh project sometimes you may not see how things are used right so it's it's kind of that uh you know the engineers the the civil engineers put in the sidewalks in a in a park and then they see that people end up walking across the grass and creating a path because that's not the way people use the park or use the the facility right and so you know sometimes after the fact you figure out that you may need it but if anything you can see up front it would be a you know, it's it's good to try to invest at that point to save costs. That's a great insights. Um, you know, regarding that installation process, Arlen, uh, you know, you talk about the installation process. There's a lot of key considerations around how to make, because a lot of these projects are happening while there's workers, you know, work going on or normal work going on and there's projects going on in a portion of the facility. Can you talk about some of the considerations for making the work environment safer during uh, the installation yeah. process? Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of these jobs are job sites are very busy places. And uh, a lot of times with a large job, be it a rack job or something like that and the safety equipment, one of the biggest keys is is timing, you know, of, of when you ship materials and installing it, because they don't have what they call a lot of lay down area to put product. And you don't want people 
tripping all over stuff. It's in the way. You got to coordinate with the trades. But I know talking with some of our installers, some of their best recommendations is number one, you don't put a new, you always put a new worker with an experienced worker. And I would say that would apply to a warehouse or industrial environment. You always need to keep the new person with an experienced person so they say, know what's happening. Then, then when you start out, safety meetings are very important, especially if you're starting out on a new facility, new workers and stuff. Quarterly safety meetings is, is very important. So uh, dress code is also very important for safety. I mean, not only for the installers, but actually in the workplace too. Uh, and, and, and we can get later on, but there's differences also in the environment you're in, whether you're in a new warehouse, an older building or, or whatever, or, or a freezer. Uh, one of the things too, to keep in mind, I'm gonna deviate a little from installation is a lot of the, our structures and safety equipment go into freezer and cooler distribution centers. And the idea there is to maximize the space because you don't want to be cooling air in an open space. So they have a tendency to crowd everything. And from experience, I can tell you that freezers and coolers usually have the most structural damage of any product because they tighten their owls and the forklift trip trucks run into it and it's not a great environment for the workers so but going back to the installation those kind of things the the, the training the safety meetings every week following your osha codes and that kind of stuff are very important and having your new workers work with your experienced workers and go through the safety and observing is very important aaron do you have anything to add I'm really, I thought Arlen did a great job um, uh, really covering that. Just communication, I've always found, is the key so everyone knows what's coming when and, uh, you know, who's doing which task. And um, just the more communication you can have between everyone involved usually uh, makes for a safer environment. Uh, another one of the things that, if I may speak up, another one of the things is securing your your product as you as you work through it. In other words, don't just freestand a bunch of, of, of things. It's, it's like you want to start out and, and secure your first, let's say, a bay of rack or something like that and get everything squared up. It's just like a building or anything. If you don't square up the foundation from day one, you're going to have problems the rest of the way through. It's the same thing with the material handling structures, safety devices, all that. If you don't secure the first couple of units you put in there and make sure they're right and you just hurry up and speed up and try to get everything in place and then come back and square it up. You're just asking for, for accidents down the line. Can you guys, uh, starting with Aaron, can you give some examples of the types of guarding equipment that, you know, that uh, somebody should consider when, when looking at a safety program in a, in a facility? Sure. Um, you know, again, I specialize in uh, safety gates for elevated work platforms, mezzanines, particularly where you're loading palletized products up onto that upper, upper level. You'll always have guardrail going around that upper level to keep people from falling off, but you need an opening in that guarding um, when you're actively transferring a material up and down with the lift truck. So there has to be an opening in that, in that uh, span. 
And so the question is, how do you, how do you guard that? And traditionally, it's been done with a piece of chain or a movable section of railing or a self-closing swinging gate. And the problem with anything like that is you're depending on people to remember and make an effort to put something back in place. Um, or it can be held open by the pallet and it's unsafe. So we specialize in a dual gate system. So there's a gate at the ledge, there's a gate behind the pallet, and there's permanent railings on the sides. And when one gate is open where you're loading the material, the gate on the rear side behind the pallet is closed. And what we're creating is a controlled access area. So there's no point in time where the opening is exposed. So when they're ready to get access to the pallet, they'll grab the rear gate, which will close off the ledge. And now they can access the pallet and there's still that guarding in place. So the philosophy that we're operating under there, and I recommend for all safety products, is something that doesn't depend on someone to actively remember and make an effort to do something in order for it to be safe. If it's something they physically have to do or remember to do, there's going to be times when they don't do it. Uh, either they get distracted or they figure they're going to come right back into the area. Uh, and as a result, the area gets left unguarded, and that's when incidents occur. And plus, these days, you know, with the labor situation like it is, uh, the people that you have out there might not be properly trained. Um, you may not have gotten around to instructing them on everything they need to know. So, again, having a type of um, safety device that's always in place um, um, helps with that tremendously. Um, the other thing we always see are products uh, getting um, dislodged and falling off elevated areas. You know, in the material handling industry, we're always maximizing the cube, maximizing the footprint that we have. So we're building up. And as I touched on earlier, I've seen it just in the, the 30 years I've been in the industry is how tall these structures are getting. Uh, they amaze me. I mean, I'm climbing up to the third level of a pick module and getting a little nervous up there. And uh, the higher you go, the more protection uh, that I want up there. And, um, you know, a lot of it is to maximize that space and to store the material. So, you know, we're concerned with both people falling out of there, but also products. So there's uh, all types of industrial netting uh, solutions that are designed specifically to contain that type of product. Um, there's uh, wire mesh panels that are designed to go up on rack systems to prevent that type of product from falling off. Um, and there's all kinds of different, um, um, you know, solutions uh, for what, you know, you're storing, the weight of it, how it's packaged, how high it is, how you're retrieving it. And so there's all different product solutions uh, to accommodate that. And that's where the, the pro GMA is, is great for that. Uh, and the last thing in Arlen would probably be better to, to speak about it is the guard railing uh, that goes on the ground level um, that's protecting the structure uh, that you're storing off. In times, it's made out of pallet rack, and um, it uh, it could be a freestanding mezzanine as well. But you know, you're you're concerned with the lift truck making contact with that type of structure and damaging it. Um, so there's guarding solutions that um, guardrails that go all around the perimeter to prevent that type of situation. And that's one of the standards that the Pro GMA. Uh, has come out with is uh, to specify the type of guardrails uh, to use in these different environments and the different type of impacts they can take uh, depending on the weight of the fork truck uh, and um, uh, the type of lift truck, uh, the speed it's going. 
in what you're trying to protect. And that way, end users, consultant systems integrator can use the appropriate guarding uh, for their layout and their, and their structure. I can give an example of uh, being in a facility of a computer manufacturer back in the early to mid 2000s. And uh, I was on the third floor or third level mezzanine. And I look over at a high speed conveyor moving uh, PCs. But at the time they were selling PCs with CRT monitors. So it was much bigger boxes, heavy boxes. And there was a uh, one of the boxes got bound up in a in the conveyor on a curve and three or four more boxes immediately impacted that one. They rose up. It like created a snowman effect of just a rising up. And then all of a sudden, all of these, all of them fall, fell three floors down to the directly on the floor. So there was no netting or, or any kind of barrier to catch those things dropping down. And it was uh, panic time for the, uh, the engineers that I was, that I was with, that I was reviewing a, a, a system there for, but it was, uh, uh, I was told to wait and they were, <laughs> they were going to run to shut things down. So to, yes, there, there's a lot of things that can be considered to prevent that kind of uh, incident. And, and luckily nobody was underneath it, but it was in an area where uh, people could have been standing. Yeah. And those conveyors, I mean, these days they're miles long and they're serpentining through these facilities. And uh, fortunately now there are, you know, specialized netting solutions to to guard all around those conveyors to prevent that from happening, even with the weight of a heavy computer and and the monitor. And uh, you see a lot of that these days with the conveyors being protected and guarded, which is which is really good because they are moving throughout the facility and, and oftentimes over people's heads. So Arlen, with kind of on the tagging on this question with you know, Aaron mentioned, you know, forklifts or or fork trucks or uh, these heavy duty vehicles that go through the facilities. And there's a lot of guarding options for for racks and conveyors to, to protect against those. Can you kind of talk a little bit about some of those devices? And uh, Yeah, uh, I mean, going back to the guardrail, like Aaron was talking about, that's more of a uh, floor mounted system that a lot of times is is at the end of of a row of rack or something or or along a walkway so people can walk along there or protecting uh, specialized equipment within the warehouse setting because I've seen guardrail were protected inline sprinklers when it came up out of the ground into the building. There's like a dozen main lines there. So they're protecting that, the electrical boxes, that kind of stuff. But you also have, I guess, on the other side, you have the individual component protection. Now, we have a lot, especially Aaron, I talked about is, is storage racks, and they probably dominate the market in the way of the infrastructure racking. But there's a lot of companies who make special units that can be wrapped around the front of each upright post where most damages is. The other safety factor is, is you know, uh, keeping beams in place. Now, a lot of these devices are part of the original beam design, but they lock them in place. They don't become dis- uh, dislodged. Other Another safety concern a lot of times is with these bigger systems, you have to have cross-through tunnel aisles so trucks don't have to go all the way to the end of the aisle. So you have to protect against falling product from up overhead, okay? So they have a lot of devices, netting and stuff like that 
to guard against that and also to guard these racks too uh, at where you have these tunnels from impact from these forklifts and stuff. So there's a lot of applications for the guarding, especially when the, uh, there's a lot of forklift traffic there, especially manual, manually driven forklifts. Right. So what are some of the considerations that, that you recommend, Arlen, for when somebody's looking to, to create an RFU, RFQ process? I, you know what? In, in my engineering experience, I hate to say it, I've been out in the field, and I hate to keep focusing on storage racks, but I've seen storage racks where which are, where they call back-to-back rows, and, and the front post is completely off the ground. It's standing there like a stork, and it's loaded, and it's standing up. Uh, if you had a row against the wall, and it was in that condition, you knocked out the front post. Sorry, it's not going to be standing up that much that well. So, you know, I always, as from a safety point of view, engineering, I always tell them that if you have a single row up against the wall or something like that, beef that one up. You know what I mean? You can buy internally. If you have racking that is adjacent to a major traffic out, then I go back with what Aaron was saying, put netting on the back of this so you don't push product off the back and stuff like that. Uh, I've seen conveyor run through racking systems. And again, you want to protect it so you don't have product falling off that. So a lot of people have these devices and they buy the netting and even extend the racking up so they can guard the product from falling off. So those are some of the bigger ones. The other, the other one I would say from working with the yellow blade platforms like Aaron was talking about is watch out so you don't have holes in the floor. I mean, there's guarding devices or kick plates, but you don't want to have holes in the floor where somebody can step in. Or, or and another one is I've seen ladders and stairs accessing platforms, but maybe it's you got a, a walkway running along equipment and and Somebody could easily be working up there. And if you don't put a gate on your ladders there, somebody could easily back off like a three-foot walkway and back right and fall right down a stair. You know what I mean? So there are devices that stop people from being accidentally being able to walk into stair stairwells and stuff like that and fall off. So all those are, are devices that, you know, I think need to be considered. And you just kind of kind of walk around the warehouse when you're doing this quote and kind of visualize yourself there and what would happen if I was working here or working at this spot or trying to reach this item or something like that. And is there a potential for for a hazard there? Aaron, do you have any thoughts on as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think one of the I go back to the communication thing where it's really important for um you know, in a, uh, in a plant or, uh, you know, a, um, a warehouse type of environment for the, um, for the plant manager, for the maintenance manager, for the safety manager, for the operations people to all get together and, and understand the process of, you know, what they're doing, how they're moving material through and, um, and look at these, um, uh, areas together, uh, and, and, to you know, make sure they're all on the same page in terms of, um, you know, how they're moving stuff through what's moving through when, who's going to be in what areas when, and then, you know, the potential hazards that come around in that process. 
Um, it goes a long way when you have everybody on board. Uh, you don't want to put something up that's keeping people safe and the operations people don't understand why it's there. Uh, you know, it's getting in the way of their process. And the next thing you know, that safety device isn't working anymore or it's mater- mysteriously disappeared um, because someone made it disappear. Um, where if it was just in a different location or a little wider, everyone would understand it and be happy with it. And it it all holds up and it does what it's supposed to do. So I think that uh, conversation goes a long way with, hey, here's what we're trying to do. We have to make it safe. This is what we're putting in to keep everyone safe. And, you know, someone might say from the operations side, well, we should have the walkway on this side of the plant then because it keeps it away from this. And that all comes into the layout. And like Arlen had touched on earlier, if you can do that during the design part, that's going to be um, the best result uh, for everybody. Um, and then, you know, in, in addition to having all these people looking at the areas, of course, bringing in a professional in the industry, systems integrator, consultant, um, someone from the ProGMA that specializes in safety solutions uh, that can weigh in as well. Like, um, oh, you're having a pick module, then you got to worry about people falling off. You got to worry about the, you got to, you know, take a look at the product, how to contain it. Um, and, and, and that type of thing. So the conversation, I think, is the best way to figure out what you need and to be able to get an RFQ and quote what, you know, what, what's needed and what's going to work best in there for everybody. Well, and, and Arlen, you mentioned in, in the pre kind of the pre-meeting notes, just that there are three types of settings, an industrial setting, a restricted warehouse setting, and then there's these warehouses that are, you know, that are open to the general public, for example, like a, a, a obviously a, you go into a Home Depot or Lowe's and you see a pallet rack and, and things stored on pallets there. Can you talk about those three settings and what considerations are you would, would have in those three settings? Okay. Uh, basically, in, in, in what I was talking about, in a, lighted, in a, in a new warehouse, well, well lit. You, you normally normally have palletized product. The facility is normally well lit. The floor is very flat. And the forklift drivers, I will call professionals, because basically that's all they do all day is drive a forklift around. That's one environment. Your product normally stored in there, maybe up to 3,000 pounds, and maybe the value gets several thousand dollars or something like that for a palletized load. Obviously, a palletized lows of paper towel is not going to fit that description, but that's kind of what you have there. Uh, there's less shimming, less plumbing. Now, when you go into an industrial setting, which we do a lot of, a lot of times it's a factory. And all you have to do is, if you've worked in a factory, walk out and look at the floor you have in your own factory. The floors are generally rough and tore up, so it's going to take a lot more work to, to shim it up and get it square. The drivers are generally a guy that works at a press or something like that, or a welder or something, and he's going to jump on a forklift. The product being stored could be a die worth $80,000 and not $3,000 palletized load or more. So you need to think about the safety of that. You want to build things in there, buy more protectors and stuff like that, because if if a guy loses a die, it's not just the cost of the die replaced, it's the lost production cost too associated with it too. 
It's not just like cleaning up something from the floor. So you got to think of that, the drivers and stuff like that. And there's where you want to look at your protection more important than the, maybe the lighted warehouse. And then when you go into something where the public can get to it, generally there are certain minimum rules written within the standards. And one of the things I'll go back to is, is Aaron talked about is guardrail. And the standard basically is a rail at 42 inches and 21 inches. And when you have adults working in that environment, no problem. But if you have a thing open to the public and somebody comes in there with their young children and want to look for lumber or something like that, that child could start to play. I mean, and, and all of a sudden he could roll through something that has a 42 inch space or sure crawl through it because kids will be kids. And, and therefore you have to go, when you start getting to something more like a, a warehouse that's open to the general public, you got to go more to the, towards the rules within the building codes where you start having railings at four, four inches apart and stuff like that. And you got to, reconsider the height of the tread you make. I mean, an industrial setting, you can have a tread that's like seven and a half inches high, which is like stepping on a masonry block. You go into something like that, you don't want to have treads in there that are, you know, like step on a block. You want a lower tread, like seven inches or lower or something like that, and bigger footprint. Plus, an uh, in industrial environment or warehouse, they're going to be wearing industrial shoes. They're not going to be wearing something the footwear or clothes that would get snagged or something like that. So there's a whole different environment there. And you got to think about who's coming in there and kind of dress they'll have on and all that kind of stuff. And that's why it's different. Yeah, those are great points, really. And it just, uh, you know, that uh, it's not just the the setup and the process, but it's the type of environment. It's the, it's the, it's the usage of the place that uh, is interesting and, and who's going to be going in there with the general public and stuff. That's true. That's where you really have to go really overboard on safety when, I mean, safety is always paramount anyway, but you, you, usually you're figuring you got trained professionals working in there who have uh, some knowledge on, uh, on what, how they're supposed to act and behave uh, and what their jobs are in this facility. But once it's the general public going in there, this this um, all bets are off really on who is going to be in there and doing what, and, and uh, you have to be even more cautious on on the environment and and how you're securing things. So that's interesting. So as we uh, wrap up this uh, this uh, episode, is there any additional thoughts that that the either of you have for? Uh, you know, protective guarding considerations and facilities and, and maybe where to go or, or what steps to take in, in kind of starting this journey. If you, uh, let's say you're a new uh, facility manager or taking over a new facility or, or starting uh, to, to think about building a new facility or, or adding automation equipment, uh, where should you start? Aaron, can I just talk about the, uh, inspection thing, and I'll let you talk about the other. Okay. Sounds great. One, one of the things I haven't talked about is as part of the safety should be an annual inspection as a minimum of your system. And the only reason I'm saying that is because there is where you look for structural damage. There's where you look for where maybe I need some safety devices. There's where I look if I have hardware laying on the floor. It's like how to get there, you know, something fall out or something like that. So 
inspection should be a part of it. And also the atmosphere of the, the warehouse or, or the environment should be such that when something happens, whoever causes should feel free to say, hey, look, we got a problem. We got to correct it right, right now. And the other thing I've heard, too, is if, if you take care of it and keep it protected and safe, the people recognize that. And it just has a whole effect on the environment, the working environment. If you if you instead of letting it's kind of like trash, if you don't let trash build up, nobody's going to throw trash around, per se. They say, hey, they're keeping this clean. Uh, if you keep it clean, protected, you have your safety devices you know, everybody jumps on board in that. And, they, you know, it says we really care about the workers and how it gets done. Great point. Now, in terms of where to start and, um, you know, your search for safety, you can't do any better than the uh, the ProGMA. If you go to the MHI website, MHI.org, the ProGMA has their own microsite. Um, there's a lot of information in there. Uh, there's, um, there's every, you know, even though these, People's facilities might be unique to them. The process might be kind of unique. What they're actually moving through the area might be unique. The, you know, the the process in terms of the, the material handling system of it is is not unique. I mean, these professionals deal with it all the time. The companies that make up the Pro GMA that make these safety products, they see these type of hazards every day. Um, they've seen it all before, so. By going to the, the ProGMA site, you can see uh, examples of the type of hazards. You can search for the hazards. You can uh, search terminology. If you hear a term, you don't know what it is. Or you can search for, you know, you can put in the type of situation you have, you know, rack system or or what have you, loading docks. Uh, and it will, uh, at the site, it will tell you the potential hazards you'd have at a loading dock area. And then they would show you the type of solutions that are out there to guard it, uh, guard those hazards. And then the, the companies that provide those solutions so you can contact them and work with them. And um, So that's where I would recommend going. There's a lot of information on there. Uh, there's videos and case studies and white pages and our standards are on there for if you're something specific you want to learn about in terms of maybe the guard railing guardrails that go uh, that get mounted to the floor uh, or the steel containment panels uh, for product getting pushed off the back um, pro gma is, is a great place to start you'll find a lot of information there gentlemen i want to thank you both for joining me today and if you want to learn more about pro gma go to mhi.org slash pro gma have a great day Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the industry forward.